Hola, and welcome to the Beauteous Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Tune in as we share stories of triumph, resiliency, and healing. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamily Whitfield, and the journey begins now. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Beauteous Me podcast. So excited to have just sent Wamala here. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Las Vegas. Like that is just so cool. Let's stop and pause right here. You're in Vegas. Like, <laughs> can't compare Vegas to New York, but um, she also has a private practice that focuses on working with black women on anxiety, depression, and trauma recovery. She's the on-site mental health professional for a local charter school and teaches courses at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, in areas such as personal growth and development, multicultural issues in families, and contemporary couples in families. Jacent recently launched another arm to the wellness practice addressing mental health and money. In three years, she paid off over 90000 in credit card and student loan debt and saw the link between financial stress and mental health issues for her clients. Her goal is to help individuals and families become aware of the limiting beliefs and fears getting in the way of their financial freedom and empower them to create a plan to reach their goals. In her spare time, she loves to travel and spend time with family and friends. Just sent welcome. Thank you so much for being here. So super excited to have you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited to have this conversation. I know it's going to be great. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your story because um, I really want to talk about financial trauma. I don't think people really know what financial trauma is, so we're going to get into it and just let people know. But tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. So I was born in Uganda and I was raised, you know, here in the States in Las Vegas. And so I do come from a first generation, um, third culture household, um, which comes with its own layers of, of experiences. Right. And so, um, like many families, we didn't necessarily openly talk about money management um, and how to build generational wealth. Um, And so, you know, there was no roadmap. And so when I was about 18, um, the only roadmap was like, go to school, get a legitimate job, legitimate being like doctor, lawyer, accountant or something, right? Engineer. Um, (laughs) And then everything else will work somehow, right? And so I tried to follow the plan that society usually says, which is like, go to school, get a job, life will be hunky-dory. And I found myself like unfulfilled and and recognizing that it didn't work the way that, you know, society said it was supposed to work. So I ended up getting um, divorced while I was in grad school to become a marriage and family therapist. So that came with a lot of like guilt, shame, and embarrassment at the time, right? Like, right. Oh, man. So that happened. (laughs) And then, um, unfortunately, I lost my father a few months after, um, you know, filing for divorce. So that was in the same year, 2014. And that's what kind of started what I call like the grief storm, you know, and so um, in my grief, I accumulated a lot of debt, mostly student loans, but it was also some credit card debt, I think about 20,000 credit card debt. And, um, yeah, that's how I was coping escapism and emotional spending. And, um, I didn't have a roadmap or a clear plan to avoid, um, financial pitfalls. So I fell in them. (laughs) So it was probably about 2017 when my cousin gave me a book called the smart money woman for Christmas, 2016. 
I started reading it in January. And one of the exercises in a chapter of the book was to calculate your net worth. And so I had heard that word before. And I was like, Beyonce has a net worth. I mean, you know, like (laughs) Shonda Rhimes has a net worth. I didn't really connect that with something that I had as well, right? And that it was valuable and um, I had any influence or agency over it. So when I calculated my net worth, it was negative $70,000 at the time. Mm. So I was like, huh, because all of your accounts are typically in different places. So your credit cards are over here, your student loans are over here, your car payments over here. You you know what I mean? So you never see all of the numbers together to recognize what um, your net worth is. And so at that point, I recognized I was at a crossroad. And I said, I can keep going down the path that I'm already on, which I don't like. So you know what I mean? Like, we already know what that's going to end, like end up looking like. Um, and I said, I can take a chance and see if I can get out of debt. And I, I knew going into debt was never a good idea, but I didn't have a solid plan to keep me from, from going down that path. So I never wanted to be in debt in the first place. So I was like, let's take a chance and see what happens. And so it took me three years, but I, I finished paying off my debt during the pandemic um, and actually somehow set myself up to have thrived last year more than ever, you know, um, and it really, it really was, I'm almost like it had to have been divine. Like I couldn't have projected, you know, or predicted that that was going to happen, um, that there would be something so, so globally um, devastating to occur. But in the process of my own personal finance journey, I recognize that all of my clients, except for one mentioned money as a major mm. stressor for them, because one client was financially stable, the rest of them, not so much. So. Um, I, I thought, like, why didn't we ever talk about this in school? Like, I got a whole master's degree in helping people um, mentally and emotionally. And there was a lot of things we didn't talk about in school because it's only two and a half years, right? Um, but how is it that this thing that is like one of the leading causes for breakups and divorce and, you know, um, people being distressed, like, isn't being addressed? So... Um, I shared my journey, you know, on social media and whatnot, and it seemed like other people were were um, getting inspired, motivated, and getting serious about their personal finance journey. And, and I was just sharing the financial literacy that I was learning along the way. I'm not a financial professional or advisor. And so that turned into, you know, me becoming a money mindset coach and essentially helping people to address those limiting beliefs and understand the psychological and behavioral aspects that get in the way of implementing a plan. Because financial plans are typically pretty simple, right? It's like save money, you know, pay down debt, invest. Yeah, (laughs) don't spend more than you make. Like it's really, those those plans are very simple, but why is it that most people can't follow through? And that's the psychological, behavioral, um, you know, part that has to be addressed. So that's where I've kind of found my sweet spot. And I absolutely just truly enjoy supporting clients and being able to win with money um, at this point. So I'm excited to talk about financial trauma, because that's something that yeah. I just barely found out about last year. I was like, trauma, what? Oh my I know, God. right? So when we <laughs> think about trauma, everybody always thinks about a divorce, uh, sexual abuse, uh, mm-hmm. domestic violence, something in the neighborhood that's happened, you know, tragic medical, no one really talks about financial trauma and financial trauma is important to kind of talk about because it impacts how we move in life, how we mm-hmm. feel about certain things, how we behave around certain things. Um, 
which is very similar to other traumas, right? How we react, how we behave, how we're showing up, et cetera. So just say, I need you to get into this because I've had other discussions about couples and money, but let's mm-hmm. talk about financial trauma because this is important. Yeah. So um, Gallen Bulkwalter, the CEO of PsychML, um, and an expert on financial trauma says financial trauma is characterized as a dysfunctional reaction to chronic financial stress. So he notes that symptoms often present similarly to those um, who experience post-traumatic stress disorder from other events, and it interferes with a person's ability to carry out normal work and home life functions and manifests in multiple areas of a person's being. Um, and so that gives us kind of a common understanding. We know we know trauma is at the end of the day any extremely distressful situation. So that could be a car accident. That could be, for some people, that could be a breakup. That could be yep. a loss yep. um, that creates this post-traumatic stress, right? Mm-hmm. Post-distressful event stress. So like t- making it that way instead of like, okay, trauma, trauma, because I mean, we hear the word a lot, but what does it mean? There's been a really difficult, distressing situation that someone has experienced and um, it's getting in the way of someone being able to live and function fully in the moment. So when it comes to finances, that means financial insecurity. So if someone grew up not knowing where they were going to get their next meal, um, not really sure about like, it's the beginning of the school year, are they going to have clothes, like all new clothes, like the other kids at the school, Um, just like these little kind of like death by a thousand cuts. It is what it is. Like it's not for judgment, Mm -hmm. but it's just for awareness of us knowing um, how it impacts somebody because then that is going to lead them to having a certain lens in life with money um, and a certain way of interacting with money. So I do have clients who um, in working with them, they might have spending issues, right? They're impulse spenders, they're emotional spenders. And it's because they had financial insecurity in their childhood that now that they have money, they spend it, spend it, spend it because they never learned how to manage it. They don't, you know what I mean? It's the first time maybe that they're they're having um, money. So they're enjoying it. Um, and then sometimes it can go the opposite way. Financial insecurity can lead to, I think it's like the depression, like people who live through the depression kind of became hoarders to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. So because they lived through the depression and they didn't have, they got really like, you know, clingy Google. to- Frugal, right? Frugal? Yeah. Yeah. They got really frugal. They really clung on to the things that they have. They don't want to throw things away because we don't want to waste because it's this voice in the back of our head that's telling us like, well, what if something happens or, you know, m- money doesn't, isn't easy to come by or I have to prepare or, you know what I mean? So it's these scripts, these money beliefs, these money fears um, mm-hmm. that we have to be able to examine. And so, yeah, it's, it gets real deep. <laughs> I love that you said that because I actually have a client who that is the extreme of her fear is that she's gone without, has had to borrow from people, Mm -hmm. has experienced this anxiety. So even through the pandemic, having her own business, et cetera, the anxiety that she has in, am I going to next get my next contract? Do I have enough saved? I know I have enough saved to cover Mm -hmm. me this time, but is that enough? Because what if, what Mm -hmm. if, what if? But what about people in the middle that you don't spend as you spend, you save, but you also like, you know, you teeter with depending, like you have separate stories. So it's just like, I have a job. 
I have this money. I, I, I grew up impoverished, et cetera. I'm going to save, but I also waste a lot of money on unnecessary Amazon stuff. <laughs> <Just Right. saying. laughs> so that you're not, you're not necessarily on one extreme or the other, an extreme saver or an extreme like overspender, emotional spender. Um, yeah. So that comes down to, I mean, here's the thing. Companies and corporations spend millions, if not billions, billions. of dollars, billions, okay, <laughs> billions of dollars to understand you mm-hmm. better than you understand yourself sometimes, because that's how they position themselves in front of you to say, oh, we know that you, from your behavior on the internet, that you want this type of thing. So it's almost kind of like a setup. <laughs> You're being well, set up. Alexa okay. always hearing and isn't Siri always hearing and isn't your Google search somehow on your Instagram and on your Facebook? I'm just saying. <laughs> For anyone, I don't know if any, right, if anyone's seen Social Dilemma, right? That it's not even that you necessarily click on something, but it's the amount of time uh, that you spend even like paused on a post that they're like, oh, they paused here for 30 seconds. That means they like this. Let's show them more things like this. So when, yeah, so, so it's when you're in the middle and you're not on either extreme, you have to recognize that there are greater things at play than you and your willpower and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So to contend with the, the capitalistic society we live in, it's not bad. It's just know what's going on and be mindful and understanding, you know, um, the society's role and your role in society and how you can be affected. So I would say that really having a clear understanding, like, is it problematic? Anything that's, you know, a disorder is like, it's not a disorder unless it's creating dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So if you don't recognize and no one around you, it's not getting in the way of your work or whatever. And you're like, you know, this is fine or whatever. Okay, like that's you, you get to decide if that's how you want to to live. However, most people at when asked would say, um, if you if someone asked you, like, what would you do with $500 a month extra, mm-hmm. then people would say, Oh, I would love to travel. I would love to, you know, invest or start my own business or whatever. Well, you are spending $500 on things that you can't even name or remember or recognize. And do you feel like that is where you want that money to go? No, because you just said you want to travel, you want to start a business, you want to invest for your retirement. So it's really um, a lack of mindfulness and clarity as far as your own legacy building journey. Um, even if you don't have children, let's say, right? Some people are like, well, I'm never going to have kids or so whatever. Okay, like you may not be setting up to um, leave something behind for your children. But what impact do you want to have in the world? Do you have a family member that you may have to take care of at some point or whatever the case may be? Are you planning and preparing for things like that? Are you prepared for if something happens to you? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like um, that you aren't going to have to worry about being able to be covered. And so um, for the people that are in the middle, that's almost like like dangerous territory because that's where complacency and like comfort lies. Like, why should I change anything? My bills are paid. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like there's no reason to change anything, but I would say when we start thinking about you living your most fulfilling life, are you doing things? Are you on a plan to help you actually, um, to experience that? And if not, then you can change things. And if you feel like you are living your best life, live your best life, you know, but usually it's that people don't see the connection between their spending 
and their ability to have a greater impact in the world or have a, a more fulfilling life in some way, shape or form. So just I think I want to take this a little deeper and, and this just came to me. So we, we talk about financial trauma, but what about when people quote hood mentality? And that's the, I'm buying my Jordans before any, by paying my rent. I'm, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. I'm going to get myself that Louis Vuitton belt or dress or purse or, you know, a Chloe bag, Balenciaga here, et cetera. But you sleeping on the floor and your rent's not paid and the lights bill backed up. Like I, there has to be some trauma behind it. Not there has to, there is trauma behind it um, because we're both clinicians. So we can dissect where mm-hmm. that trauma is coming from. You know, how you were raised, the neighborhood, the expectations that society puts on us. Um, yeah. Even even deeper, being a person of color, mm-hmm. when we show up externally, you better come correct and show that you're clean, that you have this mm-hmm. so that people don't know what's going on behind. Yeah. So that's, man, um, (laughs) (laughs) generational, generational trauma is a thing, right? Mm -hmm. So for any people of color, boom, you already got generational trauma. Like you put that in the basket, take that with you. This is what it is. Um, and so we just know that that's a thing. So financial trauma and, um, generational trauma go together because systems of oppression, have already tied in it, like in that contract of a, of oppression comes with it, financial disenfranchisement. Mm. So we automatically inherited from American society. And then for those that are on different continents, colonialism created that oppression, right? So it's not that because I'm black in America, I'm experiencing it here, but people in Africa aren't. No, because there's colonialism. So so when they were colonized, that's where that contract of oppression came in. And it's got all of the clauses, one of which being um, financial disenfranchisement. So um, we automatically all have financial trauma. That's so we're just going to put that out there. Um, <laughs> so let's Ooh. just make sure let's just all be honest with ourselves. So this hood mentality comes por- partially from that as far as um, uh, priorities being mixed up and that idea that we have to show up, you know, um, clean and proper and ready and and looking good, bust down. Okay. Um, So that people respect us, that they, you know, that they see us a certain way and whatnot. Um, However, it's not sustainable in the long term, and it actually perpetuates the cycle of poverty and what I call a welfare mindset. So there's the wealth mindset and there's the welfare mindset. Yes. Um, and so bringing that up. Thank you. Right. And it's a (laughs) tough discussion to have because it really, there's so many layers to it, but it has to be had. And so one of the things that's tough for me to say out loud, but I'm like, this is, we have to talk about this. Like we cannot depend on GoFundMe to bury a loved one. This is not okay. This is not okay. And it's not to diminish or minimize, like, thankfully, we, that's a, like, an option that's out there, right? Mm-hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, like, that should have been, we, sh- we, we should have been on a different plan here. Like, we should have been in a different place to prepare for this person. Or we should be, if it happens once, let's not let it happen again. Right. So if we have to bury grandma with GoFundMe, let's not bury grandpa with GoFundMe. Let's let's start, Prepare. you know, prioritizing financial literacy and whatnot. 
but there's just so many layers because there's so many people who don't have access to financial literacy education. It's not being taught in most schools. It's not how is someone, a family that has a welfare mindset and a hood mentality going to teach you know, their children something different if they don't, what, how, where, where are they getting this information from? Um, so it is, there's so many layers to it. That is like, you, do you want to look rich or do you want to be rich? That type of thing. Um, but it's crazy because at the end of the day, we all come from abundance. Yeah. We all came into the world abundantly. So there's this meant that's what the welfare mindset tells you. And it's like, oh, well, I need to have the Jordans to keep up with the Joneses because I have, because there's a lack or limitation or scarcity within me that says, I have to keep up because I'm not enough. Yes. But we came into the world enough. We, we, especially anyone from a different place, like any place before it was colonized, goodness gracious, right? Was thriving, had us all, they had, they was doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. every, everyone that's from Africa Hello, like from it, 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 it is the richest everyone that's continent. from <laughs> let's, right, like anyone that's from Central America, anyone that's from the Caribbean, anyone like people come from we come from wealth, like it's in our DNA, it's our birthright, but then it got stripped away because of oppression. And then it's now get into the rat race, get on the hamster wheel because you have to do to attain. And it's something that you have to strive for instead of something that's innate within you. And that's where the disconnect lies. So it's really this, it's deep. (laughs) No, it is deep. And I'm I'm also, I'm also just processing and thinking, um, then there's these undue expectations that we have in our children. If we have that mentality is that if you're making money, you have to support me. If you're making money, you need to give me a portion. You need to, and I'm really grateful that my parents didn't raise me like that, that my parents have always been like, this is for you. This is what it is. Yes, I made my mistakes in college and everything. And I have zero credit card debt because I hate owing people. It's just, except for my student loans, I'm I'm praying for Biden to just please, please. (laughs) It's not that much, but I'm being cheap. I am being cheap. I am being cheap. Anybody could pay off 17,000, but I'm just putting it out there. I hope Biden listens to this, but (laughs) please. But there are these expectations that then parents put on upon their kids and it is unfair. So then now your child has this grows up or is an adult and has this expectation that I'm never going to have enough for me because I have to give for everyone else. Therefore I can't invest. I can't do this. I can't do that. And it's hard because how we were raised, you know, we talk about generational traumas where we were raised, the expectations society really puts on us. And I, I, I work with teenagers and I've heard kids not go to school because they didn't have the right sneakers. They didn't have clothes. People were gigging on them. People were making fun of them. They didn't have the right book bag. So this this is deeper rooted that if you're not showing up, keeping up with the Joneses, that you're not good enough, you're not worthy, and we're going to make fun of you. And I think the work that you're doing with money mindset and shifting those limiting beliefs, shifting the whatever happened in your past, however you were raised, Let's switch gears with that because it's affecting your mental health. And it, and it is true. It, it impacts that anxiety. When you wake up, you're looking at your paycheck every two weeks if, if you're able to have a stable job or, or we can get a little bit deeper. It impacts how many jobs you've had because you cannot sustain it because there's other things you're not sustaining. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I have, I have a couple of like, there's some trains of thought, right? Mm -hmm. And so we live in America and America is rugged, individualistic 
by nature. Mm -hmm. Um, I come from Uganda and a lot of other cultures are collectivistic by nature. And so collectively, right, um, coming from a collectivistic culture kind of leans toward taking care of your family members, your elderly, sending money home, all of that stuff, right? And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Right, right. When, right. When, okay, right. When you can, when it's sustainable for you to do so. So I don't think that it makes sense that if you can't cover your own costs, that you're splitting something that you don't even have to split to send to somebody else um, because that's not sustainable. Right. And so those are tough because I have a lot of first generation clients that are, you know, from, from different continents. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they're like, I, there's an expectation. Yeah. I'm supposed to send money home and whatnot. And so I'm like, okay, well that needs to be a line item in your budget and that you have to come up with some consistency in that and boundaries within that Mm -hmm. so that you can do it and it not put you in a position because if someone's asking for $500 this month and the next month they don't ask for anything, but then they ask for $1,000 a month after that. And then there's the next month they don't ask. No, you say, this is what I can do. I can send you $50 a month. Right. I can send you $100 a month. Right. I can, right now, I can't send you anything because I have to focus on making sure that I can send you more later mm-hmm. by making sure I'm taken care of now. So I'm not against it, but I'm no, against yeah. it being something that stretches you thin mm-hmm. and you, you can't, you can't do it anyway because you're so stressed out and you don't have the income um, that that's when it becomes really problematic, you know? No. And, and thank you for circling back to that. And I'm, and I'm going to clarify what my statement, it really wasn't for because I'm first generation immigrant from the Dominican Republic and you know there's still family members I know are really 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 poor and that we send stuff out. I'm talking about here in the US. I'm mm-hmm. talking about parents' expectations here in the US of your kids that you cannot have a relationship with your child unless they're investing in you. I think that mm-hmm. that's where that's where that's, I, that's the clarity. That is yeah that's definitely toxic. Not about you supporting obviously there's first of all you should be giving to the poor. It's in the Bible if whoever you know you should be giving part of yourself. If you have, then you should be helping. I'm talking about the toxicity where it's that relationship that your relationships are dependent upon who can give to you. So I just want to clarify that so that yes. people are like, what? what is she talking about? Well, <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, no, really, because I mean, I've had clients who said that like their parents, like their parents, like won't speak to them or something like that. Or they're, there's a, they, they have issues or conflicts or arguments or whatever, um, based on, um, them not following through on what, their parents' expectation was yeah. for them um, financially to 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 give, and yeah, there's a lot of toxicity in families around that, unfortunately. And that's again, that's that generational trauma, that's that financial trauma mm-hmm. um, that's unresolved in the parents, that's then being trying to be passed down. And so it's there, yeah, man, it's just so many things, and it's so unfortunate. And you know, in a lot of um, minority communities this idea of like ride or die or loyalty is really huge. And it's like, I don't know about the dying part. (laughs) Like I love you, you know, like I love you. I I want to do whatever I possibly can to support you and make sure you're well within what I'm able to do. But die? Like, right. I don't know. I don't know I about will that part. die for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, so it's like this this idea of loyalty to a fault mm-hmm. that gets in the way of, of people really being able to um, be on a plan that helps them to actually completely fulfill and more than, more than fulfill 
um, whatever it is that they would want to do. So um, my judja growing up, I don't know if she would be mad at me for talking about this, but growing up, she used to say like, oh, are you going to buy me a house and da, da, da. And I was like, you know, me and Braddy kid. And I'm like, girl, what's you talking about? Right. <laughs> I'm like, who's going to buy you a house? Right. Like, you live in a house right now. Who needs to buy you another house? So I, that's how I was as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, as I grew up and for me, honor and legacy are huge. So that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to pay my stuff off because I'm like, no, I do want to have a greater impact. I want to be able to support my family and help them in different ways. Um, and so in doing so and getting myself in a good position, which meant I was not hanging out, I was not contributing in certain ways for a period of time to get myself financially stable, that then when it came time that we're talking about retiring my judja, right, and sending her back to Uganda and building her a house and whatnot, now I can contribute because my cup is overflowing and we're mm-hmm. supposed to give from our overflow, yeah. um, not necessarily, unless you're tithing, right? And not yeah. necessarily from a lack. So we're supposed to give from what is above and beyond what we already have, unless it's tithing. Um, and that's where you have to get serious about why, like, why are you, why do you go to work? What are you, you're just going to work to pay Amazon to like make right. Jeff Bezos rich, like to, to right. set Jeff Bezos family up for the next billion years like you know what I mean so it's like um when you get clarity on your why that helps you to understand how you how you move and how you interact and maybe some shifts you want to make and so um man it's it's a doozy though (laughs) the money it is is (laughs) the money oh my god it is so deep um and financial trauma is real and and I'm hoping that if something resonates for you guys that you um talk about it in therapy or get yourself a money mindset coach like just sent, um, which is important, but just sent before I always like leaving knowledge nuggets for my listeners. Can you give us five tools and tips to really help us with financial trauma, um, impact of mental health and finances? Yeah. So, um, I actually have a free financial fitness challenge. It's a seven day free challenge where you get emails every day that gives you a prompt on how to start addressing these things. Nice. Some of what happens is we talk about your financial family tree. So in therapy, um, as a, you know, in grad school, we did genograms. It's pretty much like a family tree. Um, And so what does your financial family tree say about the culture of finances in your family, what you do and don't do, how money is handled, how money is not handled, you know, all of those things, right? So creating a financial family tree. The second thing um, would be to do a an audit, right? An audit or take inventory of both your mindset and your money. So what is your mindset around money? Um, how do you interact with it from what you can tell? And then do an audit. So look back at your one to three um, months worth of statements from all of your accounts past um, to see if there are patterns. Do you notice um, that, you know, there's a connection between when your boss yelled at you and you stop and add Jack in the box. Do you notice that, you know, when you, some, for some people, it's when they're excited that you got a promotion and then you made it rain at target. Like look for those connections in your patterns of behavior in connection to money, because emotional spending impulse buying is a very real thing. Um, Unless you're such a saver that you're like, well, I haven't bought anything in the last six months for myself. Well, that's not, I mean, you, you want to enjoy your money too. You want to be able to take care of yourself and, and be able to get things for yourself that you want or need um, within reason. So that's what, two things so far? Maybe that's three. three. So financial family tree, um, take an audit or an inventory of your mindset, 
and then take an audit inventory of your money. And then I would say, coming up with some goals, like what is it that you want? Everyone has something they want to experience or do um, in their life. So getting clear and honest with yourself about what that is. Some people are scared to dream because it like hurts because they don't feel like they're ever going to be able to make it happen. Um, and some people just are skeptical, like that's never, I'm never going to swim with sharks. I'm never going to Greece. I'm never going to be able to pay for a car cash. What my student loans are going to be there forever. So it's like, allow yourself to dream to the fullest extent. Cause it's already in here and it's already in here. Yeah. So acknowledging whatever that goal or dream is on paper. And then I would say, what is that for? Fifth thing. The fifth thing I would say is, um, who do you need to be connected to? Like you need a success squad because anyone who's quote unquote successful was not by themselves. Like yeah. this idea, there's also a cultural idea around like being self-made. Mm-hmm. To me, there's no such thing as being self-made because it took two humans and a divine being to put you here if you believe spiritually something else, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there's no such thing as self-made. And to get from where you are now to where you see in your heart and your mind, right? you're going to need some level of success squad. So that might be, you know, you have somebody do your taxes, right? Have them explain certain things to you as far as like how you can do do things um, more efficiently in the next year. Um, You can get a mindset coach. You can get a counselor that can help you work through some of the trauma pieces connected to um, the money stuff. You can read a book, you know, get a book list or join a book club. Um, that helps you to be able to understand and do this financial literacy. And so it doesn't mean that you have to pay. Attention must be paid, but it can be paid with your energy, time, effort, or money, mm-hmm. or a combination of all of those. So that's what I would say is like your your starter kit for financial success. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Just that, where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram. That's just since gems, J-A-C-E-N-T-S. G-E-M-S, Jacents Gems. And that's the name of my podcast as well, where I shall um, share mental health and money tips weekly. Um, and when you come, say hi to me. Don't come to my real estate home and not speak to me. That's weird and rude and disrespectful. I'll probably hop in your DMs first, but if not, it's because Instagram's being a hater. But otherwise, I look forward to connecting and I'm so glad you know, to have had this conversation and chatted with you. Thank you so much. This was so necessary and important. Um, and I'm really humbled that you spent this time with me here so that we can have such a fruitful conversation and a conversation that has like, been overdue for some time for this podcast. So guys, you heard her, find her on Instagram. I will tag her when the episode is up so you can follow, go on and find out her seven day, um, what is it? Your gems for the week, guys, go ahead, follow it. Finances. We got to work on it. We have to kind of get out of that old habit, old patterns, old generational trauma. So thank you so much, Justin, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope this episode fed your soul. Please be sure to download new episodes. You can also head on over to rate, review, and subscribe. For more updates, find us at www.iambeauteousme.com or on Instagram at iambeauteousme. Don't forget to use the hashtag beauteousmepodcast for your feedback.